Oh, Will just uh, took a bite of jacket potato that clearly went to ash in his mouth. <laughs> right. Oh, let's you go. have seen us at our absolute worst, <laughs> and we have met twice on Zoom. <laughs> You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. And welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking extralent. I'm Holly Morgan. I'm obsessed with divas. And my husband, Tom, he's also here. Lock the doors! <laughs> right. Uh, today's subject is an absolute hoot. A frontman, a spokesman, a memoiristman, a solo artist, an icon. It's Jake Shears. As the lead singer for glam rock outfit Scissor Sisters, Jake ascended the highest rung of pop stardom and was a beacon of glitter-dusted, leather and spandex-clad LGBTQ pride for the early 2000s. After achieving dizzying superstardom of a kind very rarely seen before or since, Jake entered a voluntary period of exile, followed by a triumphant return to the public eye with a Broadway run and an infectious tell-all autobiography, Boys Keep Swinging, which we will be plundering from ruthlessly. And with us to discuss the great Jake Shears is a guest who is truly a cut above the rest. They are a theatre maker, comedian, a Birmingham rep, foundry artist, a BBC Arts new creative, and one of last year's six emerging writers at the Bush Theatre. Our guest is also the artistic director of award-winning Birmingham-based queer theatre company, Quick Duck Theatre, who are part of New Diorama Theatre's 2019-20 cohort of emerging theatre companies. Our guest's debut solo Edinburgh Fringe show, Your Sincerely, was a heartwarming, hilarious hit, which saw our esteemed guest and new pal being named a rising comic star by Attitude magazine. It is none other than the witty, wonderful Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, Will Jackson! Hey, guys! Hey, baby, how you doing? Oh, all the better for seeing you two. That's such a lovely introduction. Oh, my God. Well, Can you just tell it that's my parents? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be great if, like, someone could just, like, the beginning of Christmas dinner be like, here are your child's achievements for the years in the in the year in the arts. That'd be great. <laughs> to be fair, my mum does that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm bless her. She Blind even has play. the trumpet. She does have the trump. It. Oh. 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 Wow. There it is. Well, that's the first call of the night. Yes. So, dear listener, cards on the table. Elephant in the room. Yes. You join us on the the morning after, where it we are still in a glorious hinterland where we don't yet know if uh trump has managed to cheat democracy and <laughs> so well, it's currently looking like he's not even gonna have to yeah. <laughs> we just go around the circle quickly and just say how many hours of sleep we each had last night <laughs> good idea right <laughs> this is a kind seven. Of... <laughs> sorry say again seven holly six and a half three <laughs> <laughs> So that's the kind of mental state we're dealing with today, listen. That's where we're at. Look, you know, you know the world is actively imploding. <laughs> We've had no sleep. We're, man- we're, ma- we're manic. We're manic. We're man. We're man. 
we're, we're Manny, Paddy, we're Manic, we're yeah, a whole absolutely. fucking gamut. We're fiddling while Rome votes to fuck itself for the next four years. That's absolutely. What we, I mean, shocking. Absolutely shocking. Turns out people... And there's no place I'd rather be. There's no place yeah, I'd rather be. Just with you readying for our flight to Chromatica. Um... <laughs> Oh my god! I just did you see her on the campaign trail with Biden? Gaga, she was just oh, yeah, so full of passion and Do you optimism. Think she'll move? Where to? Karataka. Oh, Tottenham. Tottenham, probably. If, yeah, I, if, if I could go anywhere, it's got an Aldi. <laughs> But she's well aware of now. She now, now she knows. She knows. Oh. Be like, what is that place that they keep saying? <laughs> Aldi. Aldi. I could move there. Yeah, it's an option. Look, yeah. Stephanie, hit us up. If you can't reach Chromatica, Aldi. Yeah. <laughs> they could use Aldi. If you're listening, that's the new slogan <laughs> you can use. That, you can have that one for free. How are we going to get Attitude to sponsor our pod? I don't know. I have no idea. You have no idea. You You are <laughs> Sorry. You were named rising comic star. Doesn't that come with certain responsibilities? Are you not like is it like Miss America? It's, it's not like Miss Attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Wound around with a sash. For a year. Being taken away from you at the end. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility. You have to hand it over. I want World Peace and Big Diva Energy to have a sponsor. <laughs> to be honest, are you when you have to hand over your crown next year, are you going to wear a better outfit than you wore when you received it the first time? Because that I always think um, that's a really good move. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I'm just planning to do is uh, dress up as someone else and then receive the crown. So then... Excellent. I can continue my trajectory, rising star, slowly towards Chromatica, <laughs> before I self-implode yeah. into an abusive cycle involving narcotics. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Which at this stage is the only option, isn't it? It's starting to seem like a sweet release. <laughs> hey. Oh, well, there we go. It is what it is, guys. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> at least we have Divas. <laughs> At least the divas haven't disappointed us. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Kirstie Alley, fuck her. She's a Trump supporter. Oh, fuck I think we all sort of probably knew that. But none of the core divas have let us down. Every single one of the greats was Biden. So Mm. when... You're Lapone, you're Bet, you're Cher, you're Gaga. Yep. Even the village people sent out that video saying, "Um, please, please stop using us. (laughs) (laughs) I read an article and it said about the guy that was the policeman. Yeah. The policeman, yeah. <laughs> the cop, yeah. <laughs> but the guy that—that's was... officer to you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, officer. Um, so the policeman that was in the article, they just quoted him as saying he he they they said he yeah like you said he'd asked them to stop using the salt mm. on the rallies, and it said I can't remember his name. I'll insert it somewhere, but like it was so whatever his name was. Brackets who still dresses as a policeman. <laughs> I was like, what a weird detail. <laughs> Like Will as Miss Attitude, just wandering around in a full, <laughs> full on. Look, we've all encountered the lockdown fifteen. Maybe that outfit is all that fits him right now, and you two shouldn't be shaming it. Send Joe Wicks out. Yeah, exactly. Round up the village people and be like, "Come on, come on!" I mean, of all people, they've got an exercise regime down. I honestly, I don't understand why he picked picked that, and then didn't even like 
Jake didn't do the, the 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 actions. Everyone knows the actions. Like, <laughs> He's got dementia, Holly. <laughs> yeah, but He's so quite sh- profoundly ill. Well, surely someone in the campaign, someone picked that. Someone made that. Do you think they were trying to be like, look, Trump's inclusive? Was it some sort of? Have you seen the video? Yeah. The the, the mashup. Yeah. Like every sane person that I've met or heard of <laughs> has watched that and gone. What in the ever-living <laughs> fuck have I just watched? And his supporters, to a note, have gone, there's our guy looking great. <laughs> look, look how energetic he looks and full of life. Just... I feel as a British person, I now feel less embarrassed about Theresa May's Dancing Queen. Now, oh, yeah. <laughs> she looks like he learned from her. She looks like fucking Travolta now, doesn't she? Like Rick, what is it? With- like Gaga, like... <laughs> but what with is it with face. British people and the point dance? Do you know what I mean? It's like like your nana does. She's like, I'm on the I'm on the dance floor and I'm, where am I going? I'm going that way and I'm going that way. I don't way. think it's British people because A, he's not and B, the, the thing that unites nana, Theresa May and oh, it's Trump, dementia, isn't they're it? all old. <laughs> Fantastically old. <sighs> so old. <laughs> well, there we Fuck. go. Look, we have to just forget the world is on fire and instead ask you the questions oh the hallowed questions <laughs> which to new listeners to the pod we ask a set of uh, of questions to every one of our guests and every single one <laughs> and we might add in now we know that that miss jackson is uh, the incumbent uh, miss attitude maybe we'll throw in some questions about how you want to use your platform for good as oh, well that's true okay. <laughs> as opposed to evil as i have done in the last six months. <laughs> i did want to bring that up <laughs> like, I Look, we're going to get into the fucking again <laughs> i've told you what i've told you before my lawyer says i'm not allowed to comment <laughs> to it yes <laughs> this is not what attitude had in mind like i did have no idea it was even a magazine i just thought it was a mindset <laughs> miss attitude miss attitude <laughs> just... that would be such a good name for a really ropey regional drag queen yeah it? miss attitude i'm from birmingham she's here <laughs> <laughs> it's will i mean miss attitude <laughs> And I'd be absolutely a complete cunt. <laughs> Just a bus driver wig and a fag. What kind of applause was that? Oh, you could do better than that. I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You could always coke and Montrese yourself. That's true. Steal your own title somehow. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm, get, I'm getting the tired sweats. <laughs> No, no, that's fear. That's the icy hand of, <laughs> of, of cognition. I will always love you. That's just all I wanted to say. No, Next question. I will always love you, my darling. Who is your ride or die diva? It's Britney, bitch. Uh, um. Yes, yes. Has someone checked on her today? Not fine. I'm not fine her. Give her three rings. <laughs> yeah. She did think it was on the fifth, so I'm a little worried. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I love her so much. It's an easy date to remember. They may, as, they should have done that for her. I think. I don't think the fifth of November has the same. Uh... Oh yeah. 
Yeah. In the US. Yeah. Although, if they do want to adopt our, apo- our policy of... Setting fire to people in charge. <laughs> Very pro. Um, can you remember where you first experienced Britney? Yeah, so I uh, was born in the 90s and growing up, you'd just never see a headline without her name on it. I think mm. she was the epitome of a diva pop princess who was uh, obviously very talented and came from a kind of child star background, but also was really uh, a subject to the torment of the press for, mm. for worse and really taken advantage of that. Um and, but still just absolutely fantastic as an artist. And there's never a song where you don't, uh, you don't run to the dance floor as soon oh, as you yeah. hear that beat. You're like, bam, let's go. And that's what I love in the diva. Um, I'm a real kind of, I, I love a, I love a dancing diva. I fully respect your, your Stevie Nicks's, um, and your Florence and Florence Welsh's, but I really like a, okay, let's, let's hear the dance floor. You like structure. Um, I love structure. I love rules. Um, <laughs> Are you saying twirling's not dancing? Are you coming for Stevie Nicks about the twirl? She's got a shawl. Leave her out of it. She likes to catch the gusts with her with her shawl. Uh, she does. <laughs> when I was uh, about, I want to say, eleven, my mum bought me a Britney Spears wig <gasps> so I could perform a lip sync of Toxic at a youth talent show and when I auditioned for the talent show I was put not I wasn't put down (laughs) I was was very harsh rules I love rules Um, (laughs) so does Birmingham apparently (laughs) Birmingham talent competition Um, I wasn't allowed to perform because they uh, they said it wasn't because the act was too inappropriate it's because the choreo wasn't good enough (laughs) just solo was it oh solo yeah the, the, the fact is, I'm, the judges were very nice people, and I, I really do believe that. <laughs> Clearly didn't have taste, though. Yes! <gasps> that, there's nothing... Exp- mm, yeah, it is sexy, isn't it? They, did, they didn't say it was too sexy. <laughs> they said it wasn't good Trust enough. me. <laughs> this slightly chubby 11-year-old kid writhing around on this floor, wearing a matted shake-and-go-wig. There was nothing sexy about this performance. <laughs> I just want to reach into the past, though, and, like, protect you from that knowledge. I just want to take that little boy and be like, it was because you were too sexy. It's not because this is, They said it wasn't good enough. They were trying not to hurt your feelings. (laughs) Has that knowledge affected you as a performer? (laughs) Um, It hasn't stopped me from being uh, a choreographer to several high-profile politicians. (laughs) (laughs) Everything I know, I learned... A, a performance that was excised from a regional talent show. Did it place? No, she wasn't allowed. It didn't place at all. Oh, hang no, on, you missed get, that. Oh, it didn't get through the first round. You can forget <gasps> about regionals, you can forget about nationals. Well, you didn't make Matt. She didn't make Matt. You didn't go to Daytona. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, how heartbreaking! Oh, uh, but she still lives on, and I, I think she's just uh, she's always there in my heart. Whenever you hear her in the news, you're like, oh, Britney. It's yes. never it, you never you're never worried where it's like oh, Madonna. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what she said now? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, th- there is that feeling, isn't there, of 
Britney's in the news and then you sort of like please 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 let her let her be okay like yeah. with Madonna it's like has she said something awful has she made Aretha's death about her like what's she done but with Britney to be fair who hasn't <laughs> Exactly. But I, also, I think we all share a bit of um, residual guilt, don't we, about the way that we all responded to... Very much. Absolutely. The, yeah, there's a degree of kind of culpability that we all take on in our dealings with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and well, Justin grew, was exactly the same sort of um, career because he was one of those Disney mm. kids at the same time and, like, he's never received the same amount of hate and he's, you know he's far from perfect as an individual it's just a prime example of how we need to learn in these next generations of stars coming up yeah mm. yeah absolutely we've all seen the woodsman outfit the like camo oh, when hoodie he did or that. oh well, yeah that awful outfit oh and then also when he explicitly went against prince's wishes yes which i will never forgive him for look his rap sheet is long with me you know this it starts with double denim and it goes down from there a double denim i'm into like that that Never take it away from... Britney and Justin double denim. Like. Yeah, I think it's fashion. Do Look you want it me to up. pull it up? <laughs> but is it fashion? <laughs> Look it up. It is. It's the fashion of the trailer park. Fashion. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. It's called fashion. Read a book. <laughs> fashion. Um, the way he treated Jessica Simpson. Yeah. Lest we forget. He, he When he... Um, <laughs> because they were all in the, in the Mickey Mouse Club together... And then when Jessica Simpson broke up with Nick Lachey, he snogged her and texted Ryan Gosling, being like, I finally managed to, to make it with Jessica Simpson. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I love that you've got this like secret underground like Jessica Simpson thing. Okay. <laughs> it just only rears its head every now and then. Like We've never done an episode on her. Yeah. I just know that you've read her fucking book. <laughs> and so every now and then she just drops a Jessica Simpson fact. Listen. Jessica Simpson. This is just with the pod. Like any, every all conversations, just like in the pub, she'll be like, "It's just like when Jessica Simpson and like la 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 la." Like when her and Nick Lachey, and you're like, "What? How do you know so much about Jessica Simpson?" See, I just made a mistake there. I said they were all in Mickey Mouse Club together. They weren't. Jessica Simpson was going to be in Mickey Mouse Club, and then Britney came in and took it away. By being, <gasps> yeah, they were all like, "Oh my god!" So Jessica's like in the group, and literally on one day, Britney came in, smashed it. Also, was singing in her real voice when she originally auditioned. You can see it on a couple of YouTube cli um, clips. You can see young, like tiny Britney in talent competitions. She's got this like huge belt, for, especially for like a six-year-old. Uh, and they taught her to sing. To oh, That's like... That's the Disney Club? No. Uh, the record company. Uh, didn't they keep her up all night when she recorded Baby One More Time? Yeah, so she sounded raspy. Yeah. Things that will never happen again. <laughs> Music, laughter, happiness, <laughs> dance. But hopefully other children will be allowed to do their shitty dance if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, I, I will defend our child's right to humiliate themselves on, on a, a shoddily erected stage in a village hall. In a Pax wig. <laughs> If you've got a video of it, could you send it yeah, to us? Yeah, I'd really Because like we it. won't share it with the world, but we will share it with our future child. <laughs> I'll search my Nokia 310 and see what I can find. That would be excellent. <laughs> or your mum's AOL account. <laughs> she emailed it to Auntie Dora. <laughs> Who runs the world? Over there. <laughs> what? 
Second question. Like, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so this episode on Jake Shears, not Jessica Simpson. <laughs> Always pushing my Jessica Simpson agenda. <laughs> Just like you and your fracking. Any opportunity to drop it in. <laughs> I'm not hiding it. <laughs> Come round my garden. Own it, baby. Own it. <laughs> That's why they banned you from the show, because you changed all the lyrics in Toxic to fracking is fine. <laughs> I think I'm probably going to get a cease and desist email off. <laughs> yes. You have had the title of Miss Attitude removed. You've disgraced the office. <laughs> this was supposed to be a nice thing and you've ruined it. You've ruined this. It wasn't an actual award, Will. It was just a quote at the top of an interview. You've taken it very far. We don't know why you bought yourself a smash. You started kicking toddlers around Birmingham because they weren't singing Toxic correctly. You've taken an Edinburgh pool quote and fashioned a whole identity around it. I've done, I've done worse. You have? Yeah, you have. I took Steve Bennett's shitty review of, of our... I took it to heart. It's engraved on my heart. She knows it. She knows it. <laughs> word for word. She can recite it. He's a cunt. Anywho. <laughs> Question <Yeah>. two. <laughs> Who runs the world? To which diva would you give the nuclear codes and why? <laughs> At this stage, quite a genuine question. I know, it's quite a responsibility. <laughs> so we'll use them liberally, I imagine. Um, I'm going to hand them over to Ms. Cynthia Nixon, yes! Miranda, from yes! Sex and the City. Excellent. Um, she ran for governor of New York, didn't she? She did, she did. and she didn't do badly. No, she did quite well. She was up against the toughest, because the whole point of that was there was a whole lot of new wave Democrats, including people like her and AOC, trying to take over quite right-leaning side ones. And Cynthia took on the toughest one. Yeah. Um, But led the way for a lot of people. And as the age-old saying goes, if you want a job done right, get a lesbian to do it. (laughs) So... (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think think she's a very responsive... She's a good pair of hands... She's a flat pair of shoes. It's the it's the it's absolutely the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Do you, you're not as familiar with Sex and the City as you could be. No, I um, think it's great. It is. I mean, she's she's dated. Look, hands on the table. Hands on the table. Put your hands on. However, the table. Miranda, <laughs> see them. Miranda's the one character that kind of holds up now. To be oh, honest, yeah. at the time she's meant to be like the stiff, but in reality she's like that. Oh, you're you're the normal one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I always I find it that Sex and City one. We always the, the Sex and City movies get tainted with the brush of the horror show that is the is the second, but. It's a genuinely really moving moment when her and Steve meet on the bridge, I think, in Sex and City 1. Mm. And the way that her marital trauma is presented as being immaterial, really. The main problem is that Carrie had a bird on her head and showed up at and, <laughs> and whatever for fuck the fuck the plot is. But Miranda's like, entire world has fallen apart. And she's somehow also the baddie for about 20 minutes because she told Big not to get married. Come on. And that redemption is why I want to give her the nuclear codes. Excellent. Thank you. Material girl, what's on your rider? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So in the before times, I had the great pleasure of touring on the glamorous rural touring circuit. Um, and shout out to one of my faves, Quat Village Hall. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they had this amazing Mexican spread with like a veggie, veggie chili and some nachos. And I think, I know what we're all thinking, dairy before a gig, who is she? <laughs> But Miss Attitude lives on the edge. <laughs> so I'm going to put nachos on my rider. And <laughs> yes. pour it out. Yeah. Why not? And maybe just a cheeky glass of lime and soda. It's fizzy. It's mm. fun. But it's not It's not going to tip you over the edge. No, it's You've fine. got enough to worry about with those nachos. It's that claggy, claggy nacho situ. <laughs> so you stick those nachos on that rider, let you put those lentils on that Jackie Pooh. <laughs> Can I just... Right. <laughs> Nachos. I really love the way that the Great British Public have taken them to their bosom. I remember when they were quite new. <laughs> Anyone That's else? New. I mean, new to the UK. <laughs> uh, I went to a Weatherspoons once in the before. Obviously, I'll never go again. Uh, this was rough, must have been about ten years ago. We've all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. And uh, I ordered a um, some nachos, and when they arrived. Um, what I received was a, a plate of smashed Doritos. And, <laughs> and when uh, we queried this with our server, <laughs> so excuse me, I, I did ask for some nachos. I've received this uh, broken up bag of crisps. She was like, oh, yeah, did you want the other shit as well? <laughs> and then what came back was a bit of cheese. B- bit of cheese on top of the crisps. Unbelievable. Yeah, grated. <laughs> Weatherspoons are... Infamous for that kind of stuff. Mm. I went to, I once, when I was a student, I had a Christmas dinner <laughs> at the Weatherspoons. It was like our Lassie. last. Like, <laughs> right? It's more than what students were getting this year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was at the Shakespeare's Head on Holborn. Literary. Um, yes, because we were English students. Mm. And it was our last day before we went back for Christmas. So we all had like a, like, shit, sit, <laughs> a shit down meal. <laughs> How appropriate. And uh, mine arrived, and the like cauliflower, the little um, florets of cauliflower and broccoli were in a still in a plastic microwavable bag. Oh. And I went, excuse me, sorry, the the vegetables are in the bag. <laughs> and the woman went, oh, sorry, leant over me, oh, opened no. the bag, tipped them out onto the plate, <laughs> and then fucked off with the bag. Hey, she took the bag with her. Yes. She's doing her job. <laughs> Nothing but prime service. (laughs) Brexit Britain. Um, Incredible. Yes, I I think we can get you those nachos. It would be a bit of a stretch, but I think we can run to that on your rider, babe. Um, Did you want the other shit? (laughs) Did you want the other shit? Or just some grated cheese on the top of some Doritos? I just like the idea that someone orders a spag bowl and they just get some uncooked spaghetti. (laughs) Oh, do you want the other shit? Like hot water? Raw mince <laughs> and a couple of tomatoes. Raw mince is my experimental drug drag act. <laughs> yes, spooky. Yeah, nice. Really, really aggressive. My friend's friend was watching in America, and they went to McDonald's and uh, they ordered a burger. And the guy said, "Did you want the cheese or now? Nah, fuck the cheese." <laughs> well, not Miss Attitude. She'd be like, "More cheese, please." Yeah, get that cheese. On. I've got a gig. <laughs> <laughs> this work isn't going to dry itself out. <laughs> turn back time which diva would you send into which historical situation for instance diana ross to the war of the roses 
So again, with the gravitas that I've taken the Cynthia Nixon answer, mm-hmm. I'm again, I, I came up with a few alternatives. So the first serious answer, which is not my main, but it's mm-hmm. a close second. Yeah. Because it doesn't quite involve the time travel element. I'd love to see Christine from Selling Sunset uh, sort out the Brexit negotiations. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what we need. You take the spirit of a thoroughbred pony you mix it with annie lennox and rasputin and you get christine yeah I'm that's what we need in brussels right now yeah absolutely just make as long as they allow um, time for her to get down the ramp on her heels was it ash or snow falling from the ceiling when she got married <laughs> no one was sure i mean you thought how's she gonna top having a zebra at her, her her engagement party she's no she's gonna dip dye some swans <laughs> and then sprinkle the ashes of her enemies <laughs> Mixed with Chriselle's tears. <laughs> Poor Chriselle. Um, but uh, my serious answer, I'm going to take um, the cast of Queer Eye and get them to do a special uh, to when Da Vinci painted The Last Supper. Oh. Is my knowledge of history as limited as my understanding of Christianity? <laughs> yes. You've got damn right. Me- did it take me a while to realise he didn't paint it at the time of the last <laughs> So you thought he was just like crouched in the corner being like, sorry, Judas, keep a little bit more to the left. <laughs> Jesus, like, my hand hurts. <laughs> I've got a lot on. We'll be 10 more hours. Just calm down. I just think they could get a lot done. So you could have like Anthony spicing up the meal by having some guacamole to dip the bread in. Oh, Tan France giving all the togas a French tart. <laughs> Bobby just adding a dado rail and the interior decor. Kwame giving Judas a little pep talk. And we all know JVN would just accidentally end up standing in for Jay-Z. Do you know what? If you'd pitch that to Disney in the 90s, it'd be like, imagine Jonathan Van Ness goes back in time, switches places with Jesus, comedy ensues. They'd have been like, how much money do you want? Well, I did, but then they ended up swapping him in for Hilary Duff, and that's how we got the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> Finally, answers. Answers from in the room, <laughs> the room where it happened. <laughs> I would honestly, I love JVN so much. Yeah, I'd be their disciple. Excellent choice all round. Absolutely thrilled with that. Well done, darling. I think that copy's wearing off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, down a bit of a hole. Come on, just grab some Haribo. There's some behind you. <clears throat> it's glue. <laughs> there we go. That's the apocalypse all over. What is a diva? Well, what does diva mean to you? <clears throat> oh. D is for the discipline to not give a damn. <laughs> I is for what it's all about. <laughs> Whatever I am. V is for a vision that's extraordinary. And A is for the attitude that's necessary. <laughs> Did I come up with this poem myself? Maybe not. Did I see it from season two of Drag Race where they did the Deeper Awards? Yes. Yes, I did. I, I, okay, I'm going to be honest. I feel like we do need to come clean now. <laughs> so, okay. 
Okay, fine. Yeah, the cat's out the bag. The cat's out the bag. We've done it before. <laughs> oh, God, listen up. <laughs> Some podcast oh. warning skater. Uh, so this whole podcast was recorded before the... <laughs> The audio file got lost. <laughs> We've been recording these questions again. <laughs> We're all incredibly tired to the point of mania. <laughs> I have been reciting all of the answers I gave in the previous recording. And Holly and Tom are doing an Olivier <laughs> response. I think that they've never heard these answers before. <laughs> I'm so tired. I feel like I haven't. It's absolutely fine for me. I'm going to be sick. Yes. Yes, dear listener, it's true. Zoom fucked us. The Russian bots were like, no, they're too fabulous. We're going to lose the file. And Will is being so kind and so patient and doing it all again. Also, the shoe shoe will very much be on the other foot after the break. (laughs) Because we will start with our bits. And you will have to pretend that you haven't heard them before. (laughs) Um. Master Water, you listening? (laughs) Oh, God. Honestly. Oh, look, we have no secrets now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I think that became clear when in a previous episode you made it clear you went to America on a tax break. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> the minute our listenership goes above a couple of thousand I've been a lot I mean of I've been honest about my fracking but I draw a line <laughs> somewhere you have to <laughs> oh. oy, oy, oy. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask well um, I don't <laughs> so I've just had this a, a sudden urge to ask you a question I've never asked you before ever uh, have you ever been a diva ever in your life ever <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, any thoughts? <laughs> Look, am I a delight to work with? <laughs> yes. <laughs> am I a practical person who gets the job done? Yes. Did I steal the batteries from my grand's hearing aids to put in my microphone for this interview? Maybe. <laughs> Have I changed a single word of these answers from what I said before? Absolutely not. <laughs> Can't. I believe that you've done this to your grandmother twice <laughs> <laughs> because that is how Miss Attitude rolls. I feel like I'm, I'm not even at her house for this <laughs> one. So. And that is what makes us great performers. <laughs> the three of us bring originality. If only you could see the visuals that accompany this. But <laughs> Will is like slumped against the wall. <laughs> emotionally wrung out I was so excited to share this with everyone but I think I might just wait till part two (laughs) Tom is so spaced out I've just remembered that we did take some selfies when we did it before so that's the only record we've got of the first no that's not true we've got the first half an hour yeah but we're just having a chat (laughs) for 20 minutes yeah so we've got the first 10 minutes of your answer we get to I will always love it. We get to the first question. 
And then the file disappears. Don't trust Zoom, guys. Yeah, they lull you into a false sense of security and then they fuck you. Just like the world. Wow. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. I I feel like I'd be a lot better if it wasn't, you know, the world being fucked. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. (laughs) If they put the two recordings side by side. Have we got... Was, uh, do we just take a moment to just acknowledge that was a really good one in the last... <laughs> it, w- <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was a good one. Was. Like, it was... It wasn't... Was it... It was solid. It was like a good eight out of ten. Yes, points. it was. At the very least. I feel like we've all collectively brought this one down to a two. <laughs> I say this as a loyal fan of the podcast. <laughs> it's all become quite meta podcast, hasn't it? Like, I hate it. <laughs> what to set it on fire? That's six characters in search of an author. Oh, God. I swear, like, who's going to want to listen to this after they found out what has happened in America? Are they going to turn this on and be like, oh, no. Oh, my God. God. Oh my god, we're gonna have to do it again. You know what? When the apocalypse does absolutely happen, I think this will be the only art that's left, and people will just have to re-perform this <laughs> over again. It's like that John Bonet documentary. Have you seen that play, Mr. Burns, where all yes. that's left is an episode of The Symptoms, and then they recreate it and make a religion out of it? That's, that's what's what... going to happen to this podcast. I hope so. It's good. It'll be like a sort of troop wandering the wilderness, just <laughs> making misattitude tiaras out of old cans. Like, we don't know. This is what we think they did in the before. We think he did the toxic dance, but we couldn't see it, so we don't know. Uh, Fuck. Uh, we're going to take a quick existential break. <laughs> this wasn't the break. <laughs> Will, would you like to hear a little bit about um, Jake Shears from Scissor Sisters? Who's she? <laughs> Who is she? Who is she? Well, let me tell you all about her. <laughs> Jake Shears was born Jason F. Stellard on October the 3rd, 1978 in Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> His mum... Frida was a devout Baptist, which would prove complicated for little Jake. Uh, Frida had married Archibald, Jake's father, 20 years her senior after her fiancé was tragically killed in an aviation accident. Uh, Archibald, who was 50 when Jake was born, was a practical, hard-working man with lifelong problems with literacy caused by inhaling lead paint as a child. So Jake spent his childhood between the Phoenix suburbs and San Juan Island, Washington, just north of Seattle, dependent on his father's work. Jake grew up alongside his father's daughters from a previous relationship, nine and ten years Jake senior. In Jake's early life, they used to like to dress him up and play with him, but the age gap became more pronounced as the girls hit adolescence. Wendy, Jake's sister, struggled with substance addiction in late adolescence and there was tension between her and Jake's conservative parents when Wendy became a young single mother. Mm. Will, I genuinely can't remember what you said. <laughs> Do you have siblings? I a single mother. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have siblings? Yes, I've got an uh, older sister and two younger brothers. How about you two? 
We're both only well. Tom's Tom. I've got a very similar setup to Jake, but we didn't yeah. grow up together. Yeah. Two older half sisters. Yeah. And an older half a brother. So. Did your did your 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 siblings? Did you all play together, or was it kind of quite sort of separate? Was there a bit? Sometimes I think quite often we'd kind of pair off a bit. Yeah. There's, the four of us there's quite a big span going from. There was one horrible year for my parents when they were four teenagers Christ. for two whole months. Um. But apart from that, yeah, we, we, I think we're a lot kind of, we all kind of have our own lanes, which we stick to, which is quite nice. I had a horrible idea, but I hope this isn't, was one of them also a performer and did they get to perform in the, in the competition and you weren't allowed? (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, no. Oh no. Oh, you've hit a nerve. Oh God. Oh dear. (laughs) I just think it's ridiculous that Madonna was allowed, but (laughs) Britney wasn't. (laughs) I just had a feeling. I just had a feeling there was some childhood trauma there. Did you? Yeah, the way you mentioned... Was it your sister? It was all three of them <laughs> doing a tribute act together without me. <laughs> they formed a family band and wouldn't allow me in it. The Jackson Three <laughs> still go to this day as this weird pseudo-Madonna through the ages and I've never been invited, which is why I can't stand her. <laughs> I'm sorry, Holly, I know you like her, but I've just got no time for her. Shouldn't have to. I'm deeply triggered. Every time you mention it on the podcast, it brings these feelings up. Well, talking of childhood trauma, uh, when Jake's parents went, went away, his sisters introduced him to the glam trash aesthetic of the Playboy channel, as you do. Uh, so, But uh, uh, rather than finding it traumatic, I think we can identify some of Jake's kind of uh, love of the kind of tr- yeah, trash glam and the kind of like the candy apple lips and high heels in a swimming pool, which is just quite frankly dangerous. We've all had a swimming lesson where you've had to go in in your pyjamas. Imagine doing that in a pair of Louboutins. Oh, little Jake also took to carrying around a briefcase full of his writings and tried to befriend librarians and the teachers. Hard relate, no? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I just That's adore sweet. that. I just adore it's that, that cliche little gay boy classic of just befriending elderly women in their <laughs> lives. <laughs> and then I love in the memoir he's like sometimes he'd push it too far. He'd like make jokes about how they were single and alone, and they'd be like, right, that's enough. <laughs> Get out of the library. Really? <laughs> yeah. You can tell he was that kid on all of the report cards. He's like, Jake's a delight to teach, <laughs> which is just absolute cave for. <laughs> this homosexual is absolutely lovely in lessons, <laughs> but asks a few too many personal questions about my own dating life. <laughs> can you remember similar content from your own reports? <laughs> I fully got through my uh, GCSE French oral by asking my French teacher about her pet duck she used to have as a kid. Like, (laughs) in English. (laughs) Is that where you got the name for the theatre company from? Oh my gosh. It's all coming back to me now. Oh my God. Duck-related trauma. Jake was also fascinated by his friends' mums and wanted to gossip with them about celebrities, including Zsa Zsa Gabor, who must have been about, like, 95 when in the 70s. Well, she's still married to Paris Hilton's grandfather, great-grandfather. Oh, yeah, she probably was, wasn't she? That's some gossip for little Jake, isn't it? Yeah. But the librarians <laughs> knew all about that. Can you imagine, like, can you go, do you want to go upstairs and play with, with Susie? Not really. I want to talk to... I want, I want to talk trash. <laughs> 
So can you believe it? <laughs> Obsessed. Uh, Jake's early general school experience seems to have been one characterised by avoiding bullying as an extrovert introvert. Not yet fully cognizant of his sexuality, whilst the early horror of the AIDS epidemic raged in the background, occasionally the subtext became context, as tutors and students referenced homosexuality as being disgusting and deviant. And as so often happens, David Bowie stepped in as a beacon of hope. Uh, As a child, Jake's mother took him to see Labyrinth. Uh, Speaking to Gay Cities years later, Jake reminisced, I idolised Bowie growing up. I discovered Bowie when I was eight years old. If I'd had some sort of rock and roll deity, that's him. I was definitely a weird kid growing up. I was really small. I was odd, you know. And Bowie always represented that thing about me, always feeling different and not fitting in anywhere. He's always been my biggest inspiration and that's something my father never was able to understand me about the things I was into. However, Jake goes on in the same interview to recall that he came home one day to find that his dad had a present for him. It was a framed photo of David Bowie from his Ziggy Stardust period with a mic and a cigarette in his hand and feathers around his neck. It really was very moving that my father gave me that. It was a big symbol and he and I both know what that symbol means. So for him to give me this beautiful framed photo of Bowie that he got of his own accord, it was very moving. You a Bowie fan, Will? Um, he's kind of a bit before my time, uh, but I think it's one of those things, you know where you were when he died, mm, a yeah. bit like kind of Diana, it's one of those kind of staples. Um, I think uh, kind of going back on the whole thing with the dad, I think it's really nice he talks about it in the biography, because so often I think the narrative, we really often see, which can be a really true narrative of when a, a gay kid comes out, in particular, they, the the rift tends to be with uh, the father mm. within the family when that happens. And obviously there was some discomfort there, but I think it's it's really cool we get to see this resolution where it does work out in the end. And there are so many mm. successful relationships where that does happen, I we, we rarely get to see it. So it's a kind of cool way that he he kind of accepts Jake and, and all that he stands for, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we, we did have a conversation about this the other day where, yeah. <laughs> where Tom and I were both like, you know, there are things I think David Bowie... Uh, as an aesthetic, I think we were all sort of agreeing that the, the aesthetic is sometimes more powerful than any thing that, that was actually said explicitly. But mm. again, co- compensating for the time he was coming out, etc. Coming out as an artist, I mean, not coming out in that other way. Um, however, just thinking about that, men, heterosexual men liking guitar music and then homosexual youth enjoying and now a siren's happening <laughs> hot take coming. um like that's something they can kind of that, there's a bonding there isn't there there's an opportunity yeah, for like we both share this artist um and i think a lot of men experience that don't they with um finding finding the bowie's a kind of bridge i wonder if he um is responsible for like a degree of allyship and stuff that's mm. that's gone on since then with sort of like you get like boys, straight boys who would have been quite uh, like maybe just sort of, yeah, like introverts or slightly on the on the sort of on the odder spectrum. Yeah. But then they will go on to have very successful relationships with um, with LGBTQ plus people in their lives because of, because of Bowie introducing them to that 
that open-mindedness yeah. that he presented. You think about that that performance of Starman on Top of the Pops. I think it's mm. Mick Taylor, the, the guitarist in the Stop the Pilots from Mars, and they're kind of physically intimate with each other. They're kind of like hugging, and they're both wearing um, very flamboyant glam costumes and mm. uh, wearing makeup and stuff. So like that, that is... That is incredibly powerful, actually, isn't it, for the for the seventies and for as as a kind of that being beamed out around the world and this little kid in, in Mesa, Arizona, experiencing Bowie, even yeah. you know ten slightly slightly after that period, go oh shit, that's that's something there. And presumably, completely ignoring the Nazi salute when he had too much cocaine. Yeah, I think we all try and ignore that, don't we? Yeah, um, not as fine. Bowie's a bit like um, kind of Rocky Horror in that it's that kind of that that imagery that we. It is just it seeps through and it gets passed down throughout the generations and is such an awakening for a lot of people, yes. whether that's uh, a sexual one or within their own identity of gender or even just aesthetically, just how they perceive and want to dress. It's I think it's it's really interesting how it, um he keeps on coming back like that. Yeah, absolutely. And Rocky Horror was another big touchstone for Jake, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he he got to see it and again it ignited something in him. Um Musically, I think you can definitely hear that in Scissor Sisters, can't you? The kind of the um, the high camp musical theatre meeting the rocky guitars, and mm. yeah, the, the 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 music is very glam, isn't it? And it's yeah. nice when, when music and aesthetics come together. That's obviously something that Scissor Sisters would pioneer. Mm. Personally, well, I think it goes off a cliff towards the end. Oh yeah, when they're all in the swimming pool at the end, I'm a bit like, oh, can we go back to the beginning? Yeah, best songs are at the beginning. <laughs> Scared of the bit where, yeah, we I learned doing my toxic routine, it's really <laughs> hard to do a dance routine in a swimming pool. <laughs> and, again, and I think this might have been another reason why I wasn't allowed to perform because it would have involved bringing all the audience members to the local community pool. <laughs> Look, I don't understand why we can't all just go down to the Lido and watch my show. It's, a, it's an installation. If you'd had the money, you presumably would have done it on a flying aircraft. <laughs> yes, we'd reenacted the whole video. The eighth bid hadn't come for at this point. <laughs> it was just Air Force Will was not to be. <laughs> We've received a request from a nine-year-old child for ten thousand pounds in Honestly. the nineties. <laughs> Increasingly, Jake became a target for homophobic abuse and attempted to gain protection from older joint-smoking female friends and solace from undercover hookups with other closeted teens. He took advantage of San Juan Island's proximity to Seattle to hop a ferry over to the mainland to see the titans of the grunge movement. Nirvana, Jesus Jones, um... Pearl Jam. You saw, per- per- you saw Pearl Jam. Yeah. Do we class but they're not really grunge, grunge, are they? They were, weren't, wasn't grunge like a bit of a reaction. Yeah. Like Pearl Jam. Yeah. Anyway. Doesn't his mum take him to them as well? Like, to a couple of them? Or am I modelling that up with something? I think she might have done. Um, she was kind of, like, in and out, wasn't she, his mum? Yeah. Like, she'd sometimes be quite invested, and then she'd be like, oh, no, I don't know what to do with my gay son. Uh, which is, you know, again... People... Take him to a Nirvana gig. <laughs> I'll straighten him out. That's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it just feels like a strange one, isn't it? Like, his relationship to people like that of those sorts of bands but then I guess someone like Kurt Cobain like obviously he was very different he was very introvert extrovert as well Mm. and although I think we associate um the Scissor Sisters with glam Mm. in the book he talks a lot about when and we'll get to it uh later when they were actually formed and getting started um 
they were really part of this electroclash movement yes. and it wasn't glam wasn't part of it at all really it was all about the almost like the kind of the grime of it really no yeah. that's not the right word but the, the kind of the grittiness of it that's what they were kind of riding that movement and they kind of shot out of it absolutely i think we yeah we, we, we'll talk, electroclash was essentially a scene that kind of was formed around Fisher Spooner, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And then the music press were like, okay, Scissor Sisters also perform in the same kind of spaces. They also dress in this way. Let's make this a, a thing to write about. And then, like, in the context of what else was going on in the music press, which was that, that sort of CBGB's-esque influence mm. coming back again, like with the Strokes and, and the and other bands like the White Stripes who were very gritty and raw. And they were like, yeah. okay, now we know what this is. We know that they they just dress up, right? Let's, let's make that a scene. Let's make this a box. Yeah. Let's shove them in the box. And also, enormous coded homophobia about the way that the music press reacted to, quote-unquote, the Electroclash scene, especially mm. the Scissor Sisters. And, yeah, they... I think they, the um, Observer referred to them in their first interview as camp as a row of tents, which is so dismissive and so just indicative of kind of the boys club of rock and roll and that not being something that they wanted they didn't want to let in jake shears animatronic you know they, they weren't not no thank you we're actually we're very very serious about boys with guitars again which goes back to the it sort of like comes full circle to that bowie thing and you kind of go well you're supposed to be the boys that like enjoyed bowie when it came around and stuff like why don't why why aren't you accepting of this yeah and then they've just um, sort of gone full we we talked about it a bit in the previous recording but Bowie was this you know wonderful androgynous style but there was never anything out about him mm. you know what I mean and I think that's what made yeah. him successful in that he um you know it, it, it it's not perfect and it, it is also the reason why you can't complain about it too much because we wouldn't have we wouldn't be where we're at now but he did manage to kind of benefit from the benefits of being able to be outwardly flamboyant and kind of fluid in all of his performances um, without putting a label on it, yeah. which the Scissor Sisters never did. They were always openly out about their stuff. Yeah, exactly. Which is, again, why they were able, I think, to be more successful here initially, because uh, although, again, we're not perfect, uh, we are less homophobic as a society than America, mm. as evidenced by recent events. So Jake began to embrace his difference and began to look for anything that made a statement in the way he dressed and started to casually shoplift. Is this resonating with any of us? Yes, I'm feeling quite triggered. Thank you. Mopping. Would we call it mopping? I thought mopping was when you clean up afterwards. So whilst feeling increasingly constricted by San Juan Island, Jake discovered a burgeoning exhibitionism which formed a wedge between Jake and one of his few long-term friends in childhood, Ryan. Tragically, Ryan died in a rock climbing accident and this was obviously very formative, very traumatic for Jake. Perhaps sensing that this could be a make or break moment for her grieving targeted son, Jake's mother allowed his teacher, Jennifer LeBaire, mm-hmm. Jennifer the Bear, and her husband to become his legal guardians while he attended a public school in Arizona. Mm. I've got my map from last night somewhere. I'm trying to figure out how far away Arizona is. From it's a bit of a trek, right? Yeah. I think it's at least a state away. Yeah, it's a bit it's a mission. And like no, that's, that's a, over in the far corner. It's a real I mean leap of faith, isn't it, to go, right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think you can probably do a it's gonna be better for my child if they go with you. It's yeah, it's such a treat. And I mean like it's not something we've had to worry about but parenting is is tough and they've 
because the, the the two girls were a lot of work by the sound yeah. of it before yeah. um in and out of rehab i think in this period weren't they yeah and i think if anything it was just a kind of chance to offload and yeah <laughs> <laughs> just go to arizona with mrs lebert we'll, we'll see you see you in a bit <laughs> mrs lebert is also a drag name <laughs> jennifer lebert absolutely she'd go down great oh. at bear week and stitches wouldn't she <laughs> Oh, Jennifer LeBear. And in Arizona, Jake found the Misfits and the Stoners. Uh, the Edge was a phone line for the lonely and the dispossessed, a forerunner of the chat rooms, but over voicemail. Don't know why I put the in front of it. You know, the, the <laughs> chat rooms <laughs> of chat rooms, uh, but a phone line. Uh, Jake signed up under the moniker Barbie's Nightmare. It was via the Edge that Jake met Mary. Uh, Mary was reclusive and shy as a result of the general casual cruelty of society towards the obese. And this enduring friendship would prove to be one of Jake's most significant relationships. It's really touching actually in the book, isn't it? How what an impression this woman made on him and how how much he loved her and it's because he moved around a lot as a kid didn't he yeah and it's, it's really nice to see that enduring friendship that fully lasts yeah. uh well into after he finishes school and everything also just the archetypal uh gay kid befriending the goth girl it's yes it's the og janice and damien and mean girls kind yes, of vibe, which is. you see all the time yes it's so true were you did you lean towards the gothic in school i didn't but one of my best friends in sixth form was oh, definitely really? yeah, a girl i totally related yeah, yeah yeah brilliant amazing we're still in touch so yeah i think it uh, is something i definitely it's this idea of slightly outcasts um mm-hmm. kind of coming together yeah um, and also there's not really being able to kind of because when you're that age you don't really uh, you're not really able to put a finger on <laughs> why am i excluded <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why, why am I not the same as I'll just make friends with this person because you kind of get it you kind of get why you're not one of the popular kids yeah yeah and I I, I don't I always have this sort of thing like watching you know we all watch a lot of American content based around high schools don't we and mm. I often watch like even that thing that came out quite recently on Netflix I can't remember it's called set in New York high school you're just like I wouldn't I wouldn't have survived school in America I don't know why it seems so... I mean, I think these teen dramas aren't exactly how it... (laughs) They're not real. You're telling me Greece isn't realistic? (laughs) Sabrina the Teenage Witch also has true elements around the practice of witchcraft. (laughs) does have a few. It does exaggerate. But yeah, there does seem to be a kind of an inbuilt culture which is harsher. But maybe... I think, yeah, and in America, I think one thing I always forget is how... Because in the UK, we always see... But I, it's all very automatic to think like, okay, well, the Labour Party is the Democrats and the Conservative yeah. Party is the Republicans. But actually, the Americans are far more right-sided as a spectrum compared to us. Most yeah. of the Democrats would probably be Conservatives over here. Yeah. So it's a yeah. real, it's a real shift that I think we forget a lot of the time when we're seeing American content. Yes, when they got point. like the socially liberal side, and I think probably Obama probably had more in common with Cameron than say. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Um, my friend was at a, you know drunk at a party and like Obama wasn't an amazing president and I was like oh yeah in the context of the world but like the bar for America yes exactly yeah, yeah. pretty low pretty low, pretty right low. Right low. 
But yeah, again, it's, it's, I think it's what we were speaking about with Bowie as well, isn't it? It's like, it's very easy with hindsight to be like, that wasn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and you look back at Obama's premiership now, and you're like, that was so great. <laughs> Let's have that back yeah. again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jake's teen life on the periphery of queer culture in Phoenix, Arizona, was juxtaposed by Christian youth clubs. Struggling with his sexuality, he gave in to some attempts at conversion therapy and was baptised. Obviously, it did not take. Off the back of this conversion, Jake persuaded his mum to let him finish up high school in a college prep school in Capitol Hill, Seattle, the gay centre of the city. Like, the way he describes uh, Capitol Hill in the book makes it sound amazing. I could just oh it sounds like San Francisco in the 70s doesn't doesn't it it? yeah it really does like the the kind of his nostalgia like drips so he's he's such a good writer like that's something we should probably say isn't it yeah and it's a really good you can tell he actually wrote this because there are some when you're reading these autobiographies you're like they clearly but actually he because later we'll get into it but he studies in in creative writing doesn't he and you can tell he's really spent time on this but it's fantastic read. And we're only being commissioned 5% to advertise it. I know. The podcast. Um, but... <laughs> Do you know who else wrote her own book? Jessica Simpson. Oh. <laughs> Do you know who's going to get a book off the back of this? Miss Attitude. <laughs> it's not going to be in a book. It's going to be a manual. It's going to be a manual for life by How Miss to. Attitude. <laughs> Manifesto. <laughs> Miss Attitude, how you can do. <laughs> it's going to be aggressively long. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be like the old school encyclopedia. It's going to be it's like our episode of <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> she'll turn up at your door, thunk, unroll her scroll, and then five hours later she'll leave. And say, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Spit in your face and fuck off. <laughs> Jake's having a lovely time in in uh, in Capitol Hill, but unfortunately, um, he's only sixteen, and predatory men be predatory men, and he gets uh, sort of involved with this nasty guy called Pete, and the school find out, and they're basically like, okay, this we think there's something inappropriate going on here, and there very much was. So um, saying that Pete was thirty three. Pete was thirty three. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. Uh, gaslighting Jake horribly, being like. Do you remember this bit in the book? Pete had a girlfriend yeah. at the time, didn't he? And I think Jake really saw Pete as, oh, this is my first official boyfriend. Yeah. And then realises later on, Pete kind of establishes, like, oh, this isn't a thing, even though they've been fooling around for a while. Yeah, exactly. It's really gross. It's so gross. I mean, he did introduce him to, uh, he helped him learn how to play guitar, which is like a small... <laughs> Like, thanks for that, Pete. Um, but yeah, he's... It's a... that tough thing when you're young and you just idolise these older figures and you're like, ah, yeah. oh, this is yeah. this is it, yeah. Exactly. And you're so desperate for love and affection that you will put up with a whole load of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, God. Awful. Um, but yeah, the school said, this is the ultimatum, you're going to come out to your parents or we're going to tell them. Um, so, Jake continuing the relationship with the phone he'd begun with the edge rang into dan savage's legendary radio show so dan savage for those not familiar is an icon journalist 
LGBTQ plus activist. The radio show Savage Love that Jake rang into was the forerunner of his relationship and sex column of the same name. Savage and his husband, Terry Miller, launched the It Gets Better project to help prevent teen LGBT plus suicide in 2010. This is one of baby Jake's first celebrity mentors, of which there will be many. Yeah, I guess like just a note on Dan Savage for like, again, a, a really massive personality. Mm. Um that we mooted we had might have said some comments recently that yeah i I didn't do the research because i didn't realize i forgot that we talked about it (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. by the sounds of it he got in trouble for saying some bad uh stuff about trans rights but it seems like and we'll say holding our heads up we could have got this wrong but it seems within months he very quickly turned around and fought for uh, trans rights very swiftly onwards so although not spotless you yeah. know clearly what hopefully well-intentioned <laughs> so yeah so anyway so dan savage like you said not perfect mm-hmm. but uh has also uh tried to rectify the wrongs uh of uh that he's that he's made in the past um he did make a bit of a boo-boo though because he they, he brings into the show and dan's like oh your parents know and he's admitted this as well he's been like I, I gave Jake Shears from, from Scissors to some really bad advice. Basically, which was just, just go for it. Just come out. And Jake chose to do this on a family trip to Vegas. A, his parents, like, what? We're going to go on a family holiday to Vegas. Okay. <laughs> and then were horrified when their, their son came out. Uh, he was stood in front of a Wizard of Oz themed diorama and had a, an epiphany and went for it. And uh, yeah, it, it does sound like it was to quote Dan Savage, some pretty shitty advice. So what you're saying is it wasn't Dan Savage's advice, it was Dorothy's. Yes. It was Judy fucking Garland <laughs> once again. Hey, she threw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling responsible for the coming out fallout, Dan Savage did indeed get his mother to call Jake's mother. My mum is very good at guilt, Mr. Savage said. Continuing the stewardship of little Jason, Dan Savage picked him up from school and took him to an AIDS funeral to show him the risks of unprotected sex. He kind of took me on as a project, Jake said. Jake continued to carry the torch passed to him by Dan Savage by maintaining an active engagement with the It Gets Better campaign. In a video recalling his experience coming out to his classmates at 15, Jake recalls telling them, uh, Jake recalls them throwing desks and chairs at him. He was sent to the principal's office along with the students who had harassed him to the indifference of officials. Mentorship, uh, obviously can be vital in the LGBTQIA youth. I guess it's like one of the most important things that's that happens in that community I suppose yeah 100% and it's you know it's all about finding your chosen family if you're if you're lucky enough to find them because unlike other marginalized groups you don't necessarily grow up around uh for other family members who are queer Mm. so it's all about finding those safe spaces and networks and supports um and I've been lucky enough to have mentors and reciprocate that by uh, kind of looking back to the, looking forward to the next generation. Can we just talk for a second about <laughs> what did you do last night? Oh, I watched Sonic the Hedgehog. What did you do? Oh, I went to an A's funeral. Oh my god, it's so intense, right? <laughs> like, I guess where are we? This is like nineteen. 19- this is a scene in Pose, right? Yes, this it is. is. Yes, it's about as heavy-handed. <laughs> we, I took, I took. Jake Shears to an AIDS funeral to tell him that he should use a condom. Like... I mean, you fucking would. <laughs> I mean, it's more effective than a banana and a condom in PSHG, <laughs> let's be honest. That is uh, totally true. Yeah. I mean, 
It worked. Yeah. But be getting picked up. Um, where are we going, Dan? You'll see. <laughs> I've got an XC out for this weekend. And maybe lips are sealed. Are we seeing Rocky Horror? That'd be telling. <laughs> Don't want to spoil it. What? Oh my God. Like the. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, we we all do what we think's best, don't we? I imagine maybe with hindsight, Dan Savage was like, I went a bit hard on that one. Like, could have been, yeah. could have been, could have been slightly gentler with that with that point. Um, speaking of gentle and not heavy-handed, let's take a pause. <laughs> So Jake met future bandmate Sean Hoffman, much better known as Baby Daddy, aged 18, when a school friend took him to visit Baby Daddy in Lexington, Kentucky, his hometown. He saw my mum's immaculately clean kitchen and got a bit frightened, as people usually do, says Baby Daddy. They bonded over horror films and video games, and months later, Baby Daddy visited Cheers at home in Seattle. However, the creative partnership between Jake and Baby Daddy wouldn't blossom for a few more years. Back in Seattle, teenage Jake is still experimenting with his guitar music but he's getting a little bit more down into like the flamboyant performers the jane counties the iggy pops the dirt and glitter aesthetic and it's he's now taking that to a performance level gets himself a fake id and starts uh turning up at drag bar 20th century foxes to do lip syncs to james bond songs know your niche it's like when you get it you get it yeah (laughs) just like oh that's the groove and i'm in it yeah Yeah. brilliant in a way though he talks about this a bit more in the book but this club in it has these performers who uh have disabilities and they're yes. still getting profiled at this bar and getting to perform and uh and getting a bit of a spotlight and they get to perform every night and uh, in a way it's kind of fantastic he talks about these performers doing some of the best performances he's ever seen of his yes. life like a, a, deaf, a deaf queen lip-syncing so, after a brief stint in LA, Jake obviously found himself in NYC, baby, in 1999, signing up to study fiction writing at the new school. Speaking to The Guardian, he said, I knew if I hated LA, I'd love New York, and I did, but it was really challenging for a long time. I was living in a really scary place, upstairs from a crack den. I was on the payphone on the corner telling my mum everything was alright when I was terrified. But in New York, you can't just throw your hands up and say, things aren't going well, I'm leaving. Well, you can, but that's why you're not cut out for New York. You have to stick with it. Yeah. You've got to be kind of hard-edged, I think, haven't you? Especially, like, because his first um, apartment was in a former cake factory on South First Street, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I think we all kind of have this idea of Williamsburg, especially, like, because of, like, you know, Alexa Chung and yeah. the Arctic Monkeys all making it cool. But it's it was quite real i think in the 90s he had a leak in his wall every yes. winter that would freeze yeah you'd have like a, a, a water feature yeah that would then freeze over Christ. and a, a rolling cast of of people with substance addiction who were, could be really quite terrifying and he's when like, you guys were starting out did you have any particular horror stories in terms of first well i was quite lucky because i'm from london so i was able to live with my oh, mum no. and dad um what do- gross I know. <laughs> you lived in some pretty shitty places. We made them shitty. That was unfortunate. <laughs> How about you, babe? Did you have any kind of like, I'm going to make it, baby, um, situations? We had, uh, I lived in an area called Boozle Heath, which is near a place called Mosley. Oh, yeah. Which is a really nice area. Um, but it got its name Mosley because after field mice. So lots of mice oh. in the. Uh, 
first couple of flats and a few few uh snails and slugs <laughs> after a while and you kind of think i feel i'm in a way if there's a time to be locked down inside these flats i'm so glad to be <laughs> out yeah. of that time now yeah right oh. yeah it's a, your, your experience seems like not as like gritty as Jake Shears is, but very much like from a different era, like the field yeah. mice. Yeah, and, and the... like <laughs> you get what you pay for as well. Yeah. So it's it's he was paying seven hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's out- that's outrageous. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I did have a really scuzzy flat which had rats. Uh, that was horrific. It was above a restaurant. That was it? above a restaurant, yeah. What? I had, yeah, big mouse problems, which started my ongoing love of getting involved with the council. Mm, <laughs> Just yes. emailing back and forth, the scourge of many a London borough council yeah. have I been. <laughs> but look for the highlights. They based the film Ratatouille off of you, so you can't have been. <laughs> exactly. not that bad. Arts Council funding, though, didn't it? They based it the whole out. internet culture around. You are the original Karen. It was you. You started this. The Karen of Southwark. (laughs) Indeed. Um, Yeah, so there was also... uh, Jake starts going on holiday. Barcelona's... like He returns to it in the memoir quite a lot, doesn't it? It's obviously a very special place for him. And he goes off on one of his European jaunts, comes back to discover that his room's been sublet to a couple from Brussels. (laughs) We've all been there. We've all been there. Imagine if you turned up in Brussels, though, to sublet a room, you'd be like, "There's there's a frozen water feature in here. I'm not paying you. I'm not going to stay here. (laughs) No. Very low standards. Jake also had a brief fling with Anderson Cooper. Speaking to The Post, Anderson said that our first official date after meeting at the Roxy was his graduation dinner with his parents. They dated for a few months. He used to sing, and I remember telling him that he really needed to buckle down and look for a job. He added, thankfully, he did not listen to me. Anderson Cooper's... uh, It's also worth noting that he was a go-go boy at this point, Jakey. Like, he was working in bars, doing the hustle. Yeah, um, right. And at one point, didn't he, he made, after the first night of doing it, he was like, I'm not going to do anything that would make my mother not proud. And that's the ethos he went into work with whenever he took his kid off. Good for you, babe. Yeah. And like... Have standards. Yes. Know your self-worth. And the, the bar he was working in, I See Guys, is like minuscule. It doesn't exist. I don't think it's around anymore, but it like it was apparently like the size of like a literal cupboard. And he he didn't really know how to dance and but just just went for it. I imagine bringing this full circle as you would have done had you been allowed to perform your toxic dance. Your toxic dance. <laughs> <laughs> they gave everyone food poisoning. I'm still not sure how I did it. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> the mystique of the dance. Indeed. Uh, he's also working at Paper Magazine. So, again, as we said, he's a very good a good writer. Mm-hmm. He, you know, earned his... What's the thing? <laughs> Paid his Stripes. dues. Earned his chuffs, I was going to say. I don't know what that is. <laughs> he earned his chuffs. He earned his chuffs uh, working as a, as a journalist. And, and who else was at Paper Magazine? Mark Jacobs. Of course. It's just, it's just insane, this touch by Stardust. Yes. We, you know what? We said this on the last record. He is like the Forrest Gump of, of uh, Electro Clash, isn't he? Yes, Always he there. Just we. So so far, we've met Dan Savage, Anderson Cooper, and Mark Jacobs. Literally, all of the most famous yeah. out gay men in America mm-hmm. somehow became involved with Jake Shears in one way or another. Do you think he's just making it up? Maybe. <laughs> And they the just the thing is, it's like Forrest Gump wasn't like he... a true story, was it? Yeah. No. Wait, it wasn't. <laughs> no, Forrest Gump was made up. That's the real big controversy about it. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. Will's just I put up. some people. I've got to go. The world's just come crashing down. Um, so he also, yeah, as we said, mentioned Fisher Spooner. He was kind of getting to, that was the scene. Uh, also Kiki and Herb. Uh, I shared a reminiscence of going to see Kiki and Herb with you before. Shall I do it again or is it yes. not? Okay. I went to see Kiki and Herb. Um, no way. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like? Hey, well, well, let me tell you, this bit has always stayed with me. Uh, Kiki. When did you go and see them? Edinburgh in like 2004. Festival. Um, festival, yeah. yes. They, they played... Uh, I think they were still like at Pleasance or something though. So they were still quite kind of undergroundy. Um, it's always stayed with me, this selection of dialogue. If you weren't abused as a kid, <laughs> you must have been fucking ugly. My daddy loved me. <laughs> that's That was the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that tells you something about who Jake was hanging out with. Love it. How did that stand up to the Bucksburg musical? Uh, well... I only went to see Kiki and Herb once and I went to see Johnny Woo's Night of a Thousand Jay Astons roughly 28 times. <laughs> so, Just to be clear for the listeners, there are 28 days in the Edinburgh Festival calendar. <laughs> I had a sea venues pass. Remember them? Johnny Woo was a sea venues? Yes, bitch. Controversial. She won't want to be rem- reminded of that. <laughs> Get her on the pod so we can find out. <laughs> Have you given your sea venues ever, Will? I've given mine. Um, no, I was very lucky. My uni days, we went to the space. <gasps> um, but I, before space, I worked. So when I was eighteen, I worked at zoo venues. <gasps> I remember because you, when you, before you before in your first range, you have no idea what it's like. And I'm yeah. so lucky. I fell because I applied for both, and I'm so glad I went for zoo. So like to give context, zoo venues has gotten into so much trouble. Yes. For, mistreating stuff and it you know behind the scenes there's such a reputation for people who go up to work for sea and within the first week pleasant and even uh, yeah quite a few other venues just poach some of the good people from the sea because they're like wait you actually pay your stuff okay yeah right yeah so then the people left are completely overworked and in five people to a room accommodations and um as a result, the service for actually putting on a show. But the the reason they did so well is they had lots of good venues. But when all this came publicly, they lost C Main, which was the yeah kind of hub venue. Yeah, absolutely. What was your what was the first show you did at the Fringe? Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, I went up for a brief stint when I was in a youth theatre. So already golden. We got. Uh, uh, we got three stars and big issue for it. Three. Um, I know, so pretty good. It was called the Circus of Terror. Ooh. And the audience were blindfolded for the whole <gasps> production. <laughs> so 2013. Oh, I love and, it. And it was a weird kind of radio play live experience. And by that, we had some scented haze. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just fucking pre-recorded that shit and set it to go and not have been out of the pub. My first production at Edinburgh was in 2010, I believe, or maybe Uh 2008. And it was an original play written by a very good friend of mine. And it was about a boy um, who tries to kill himself. And Upbeat. goes into and it was described as one flew the cuckoo's nest by the cast of Skins, and it was on at midday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
edgy. Yeah. No one wanted to see that. No one wanted to see it. No one gonna see it. I'm sure it. also at the time, uh, as an ensemble, you were the right people to tackle this issue, weren't you? Yeah. One honey pair. <laughs> <laughs> One for the ages. Uh, so, similar, by this time, Sean Hoffman, a.k.a. Baby Daddy, has come to New York. He's at university and him and Jake get together again, start making music. They decide they're going to do a club night where every month they'll debut a song. Club night never happened, uh, but <laughs> the songs did. So they do these, uh, go to other people's clubs um, and do a, a little performance, a little show, if you will. And Jake would sometimes be dressed as an abortion. Of course. Why not? How do you dress like an abortion? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. And also, at this point, I think they were called dead lesbian, right? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah, that checks out. I've got to hard relate to those sort of like, let's do this club night. We'll do a club night. Yeah. And we'll do it every month. And it's been this idea. And like tw- two years later, you're like, what happened to that club night? Yeah. Do? You've got so I many spent vlogs. all my time on that abortion hour. <laughs> <laughs> and we never actually did the fucking club night. Didn't even leave the house. Just did a full photo shoot for the abortion. It's just the only three pictures on the dead lesbians Instagram page. <laughs> Money and time well spent. Yeah. <laughs> but then... What can I say? I'm an ideas man. <laughs> I'm an ideas man. You are. You're a blue sky thinker, babe. I'm a blue sky thinker. I put them out there and other people make them happen. Yes. Scissor Sisters, slang for a lesbian sex move, and note the inclusive lack of the definite article, because we can all be Scissor Sisters, played their first show at the Slipper Room on the Lower East Side, 10 days after September the 11th, where the MC was none other than Animatronic, who was serving you a sort of drag stand-up performance artist Joan Rivers type of gig. Uh, on a whim, Jason Sellars obviously renamed himself Jake Shears, a play on scissors. V clever, V clever if you think about it. <laughs> and Sean Hoffman adopted Baby Daddy. So, yeah, animatronic. Just emceeing, living her best life, being a, a freak obsessed with robots. I would die to see that. I would to die. To see that original She's material iconic. she was doing. She's so iconic. And she's just so good. And we'll get into it when we talk about the band, but just because half the stuff when she does her spoken word stuff on the track, she just makes up on the spot. Like, <sighs> let's have a kiki would change every time by the sound of it in terms of just the... Or maybe I'm, I'm making that up, cut that out. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's staying in. <laughs> no, I won't. That's the one thing I'm going to keep in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's iconic and so ahead of her time in a way because because at the time... There was this kind of scene where 9-11 had just happened mm. and these club kids are like, fuck, we're, we're going to make this scene. We're going to try and find love and life and meaning again in all this kind of confusion. Yes. Um, and this was a woman, a cis woman being a drag artist. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, and that wasn't even considered an issue. Can you imagine now? <sighs> just the amount of... Yeah, it's just insane, isn't it? They're so ahead of their time because... I, when you, we've been speaking to people about doing Jake Sisters, people like they 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 infiltrated the mainstream to such an extent. And people are like, oh yeah, take your mama, and like, oh yeah, Laura. Like people know the songs, and they go, what happened to them? Like, which we'll get into in episode two. But the revolutionary aspect of what they were doing, this the getting getting played on radio two with, as you say, a cis woman drag artist. RuPaul won't let women on it now. Like also, I think, and again, we'll, we'll touch on this a bit more. This is. And I, and I think actually in the last three years we've seen a lot of great work in this. But I've I've known as a queer artist a lot of the time a bit of anxiety like oh uh, if I know I'm going up and against another 
Puerto so I'll just probably pick one of us up for the lineup for that season. Right. And I think we've kind of pushed past that now where it, it just doesn't matter. But mm. when you get to the Sister Sisters where there isn't just the the gay one, they are yeah. this queer collective mm. um, and they're working together and it's just so fantastic because before then you didn't really, the closest we got to that in the mainstream sense was the OG Queer Eye. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. In the 90s, yeah, that would have been the only... And, and again, that show was so kind of mm. ghettoized. It wasn't as, as as huge as it is as New Queer Eye is. Like, it was on, like, and Living, it, I think. Yeah, well, yeah and whereas so. this... And I think one thing with Scissors is that they never... Or at least it seems they never kind of tailored themselves for a straight audience. They made yeah. the work they wanted to make about their experiences. And it's just what's so... Incredible, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, incredible. And so, yes, animatronic joins the band, and the, in the sisterhood, uh, she's known as a people who have a special affinity for Anna are known as nuns, which I thought was an interesting decision. Not nothing to do with robots. Just is it a mother superior no. thing? I guess it must be. Oh well. Also, done. I think in in Take Your Mama. Doesn't she dress up as a nun? Someone dresses up as a nun in the music video. Can't remember. There were so many outfits in that one. Yes. Um, Oh, the ensembles. Uh, We'll get into it, but Laura was like one of my favourite music videos of all time when I saw it. Filmed in Dalston. Get out. Yeah. When they were on tour here in the UK. Again, we're going to end this. This episode is just going to be the early, the roots. Next episode, we're going to talk about the Scissor Sisters. The incredible year the Scissor Sisters had. Scissor Sisters. Scissor Sisters. Yes, no the. No the. No the. Well, it does make it easier to say. Scissor Sisters. The scissors. Yeah, if you just drop scissors, scissors. The newly formed three-piece of Jake, Anna and Baby Daddy got a gig at Lux, a key site for the Electro Clash scene in Williamsburg, when they, which they advertised with flyers reading, you got to pump your body if you want to be a hottie, from their song, Electro Bix, my favourite cereal. <laughs> the early Doesn't that sound like a lyric from Work Bitch by it, Britney? It does, doesn't it? You got to pump your body, body. if you want to be, be a hottie. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> It really does. Even Electrobix rhymes with work bit. Like, yeah. Electrobix. Loosely. Imagine if she could but... get work bitch made because they were like, you can't say bitch, Brittany. It's just not going to work for the record company. She's like, okay, Electrobix. <laughs> <laughs> what? It sounds like Zumba on acid. It does, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You just take Ed Malone and Mandy and do Zumba. It's called Electrobix. <laughs> and they just play work bitch the whole time. Do you remember when Britney was on the uh, interview circuit for Work Bitch? And like, again, as we discussed in the intro, Britney has, obviously she, she suffers, she struggles. But I remember when she was on the on that promotional circuit and she just didn't really understand what the song was about. So they'd be like, you oh, know, yeah. what does it mean? Like trying to get her to draw her on the fact that it's like, it's about... You're using the phrase "work, bitch." This is this is you're, you've done this for the gays. She's like, yeah, it's just when you know, you know, you really want to work hard. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, Why not. don't you know this? <laughs> no, Brittany. <laughs> we discussed this. We talked about this. It's not her fault. Well, because her dad stood in the background making the like yeah, slice exactly. throat sign. <laughs> oh. Leave Brittany alone. Leave Brittany alone. Leave her alone. <gasps> So the early Scissor Sisters was a slightly rudimentary version of The Glory to Come. They performed to track rather than with live instruments. And their stage look was flung together <laughs> from whatever sort of fetish wear or discount glam they had lying around on the floor of the squat at the time. But they will start to up their game very soon, which we will discuss in part two, as that is where we will leave it for this week. There we go. 
That was it, darling. We We've did it. We made it. <laughs> well done, everyone. It's only three hours later. <laughs> you are the greatest person in the world. Thank you so much. I, thank you. No I worries. We're going to have so much fun when we do part two. Because oh my it God. will be brand new for everyone. We'll just be talking about Elton John for three hours. And we will be, we'll have more sleep in us. Yeah. And I won't spend most of the time getting halfway through a sentence and going, this is the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> and then just, just falling off, just stopping halfway Hi, through. My darling, plugs and hugs. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Will underscore underscore Jackson underscore underscore. It used to be Jackson 5 minus 4, but I had to change it after the most recent round of <laughs> child abuse allegations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, what happened to Jackson 3? Um, the uh, ill-fated trinity. Don't talk your... about I'm sorry, it. I shouldn't have brought it up. We're not plugging them right now, Tom. They don't need it. <laughs> Um, and when you're, allowed, <laughs> when you're allowed in a theatre, check out Yours Sincerely or Fashion Spies, which are two of my shows, which will be touring at some point. Oh, love, love you. Thank you, darling. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Jake Shears related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you, you can tweet us at Diva Energy, find us on Instagram at Big Diva Energy, or Facebook at Big Diva Energy Pod, or email us at BigDivaEnergyPod at gmail.com. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If we pumped your body, then don't forget to like and subscribe. If we're giving you flashbacks to the Belgian couple that occupied your room, then get, get in, in the, the sea. sea. Bye. 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 Enjoy you the rest of that soon. potato. You enjoy that hot potato, that blue potato. <laughs> 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 <laughs>